Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Welcome everyone once again. It's so good to have you with us on this podcast. We have been going through the letters to the churches at the beginning of the Revelation to the Apostle John, or also known as the Book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And we've been going through these letters that John received from Jesus, written to these individual churches in the first century. And uh, it's it's Jesus communicating his heart uh, to the churches, what he sees uh, in them, and the things that he also sees in them that need to shift and come into alignment with his lordship. And so we've been looking at these letters with the desire that in the midst of these days and what we are walking through with COVID and all the things swirling around in the world right now and where it feels like there is just so much that we are walking through. We are looking at these, seeking to discern the voice of Jesus for us today, uh, looking at his word for what he's saying, what we can uh, take from these words and how they apply to our lives in the here and the now because we want to be listening to Jesus and we want to be hearing his voice. And so um, I I personally have felt uh, that in a very strong way that the Lord has laid that upon me over the last um, little bit, last few months, I'd say, where the Lord is just clearly um, impressing on me the, the need to stay close, to hear his voice, to to be on guard against the distractions that are going on all around us, which are many, uh, which are tempting, which are plentiful, and which can really seek to uh, to lead us astray and to leave us distracted and overwhelmed as well. And so I want to be hearing what Jesus is saying, and I want to stay close to him, uh, which is... Part of what we're going to look at today is we get into the letter to Thyatira, the the last letter uh, in Revelation two before um, we get into Revelation three. It is the uh, the fourth letter written um, to the seven of the seven churches. Um, yep, making sure I have that right. Yes, Thyatira is the fourth letter, and so um, wanna wanna just ask the Lord as we're as we're going through these these words in this text to really speak to us and to that we would we would understand these words well and apply them well to our lives. And so I'll, I'll start by reading these verses. It's a little bit longer uh, of a letter than some of these other um, words were to the other churches, but this is what uh, Jesus says. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. 
I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold to what you have come until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, these are, there's some sobering words in this letter. Obviously, it starts off with this church being commended by Jesus for their deeds or their good works, their, the love, the faith, the serving, the perseverance, the, the increase uh, in their works, their, their, their increase in faithfulness, their, you could even say their growth. All of this is commended by Jesus. And you could look on the surface, if, if you look, if you kind of begin to to process that through, you go, you know, this, this on, on some level, on a surface level, on a functional level, this church could be seen to be doing fairly well and, you know, relatively healthy in, in our culture. If I, if we're looking at churches in a 21st century context, you go, this, this is all right. There, there's some, there's some good things here, but there's a massive problem in this church. And Jesus flushes it out and he says, <laughs> he says, they have tolerated blatant sin. He says that he, he talks about someone in the church who he uh, aligns and, and, and uses the metaphor of Jezebel. And it is a, it is a metaphor. This, this is not the actual name of this individual, but it's the spirit in which they're operating. In. And so Jezebel was... Uh, the Old Testament wife of King Ahaz, uh, who is mentioned uh, within the kings of Israel, uh, and and Jezebel is talked about is and in the account of her life in the Old Testament is of her being part and very much an instigator and a leader in uh, God's people being led into unhindered idolatry and immorality. Uh, Jezebel opposed and killed God's prophet. She. Um, she was intent on trying to kill Elijah, which uh, God did not allow to happen. And, and along with Ahaz, was part of leading Israel into wicked, wicked, sinful behavior and all sorts, all manner of it. And so, you know, obviously to have the activity of someone in your church and those connected to them compared to Jezebel, uh, it's not something you're looking for. It's not something that... You know, the leaders in Thyatira would want to hear and have read to them uh, as part of what Jesus is saying. But there there was a woman who was leading a group of people into the sin of sexual immorality and idolatry. She was also teaching. So there, there was an element of she was seeking to wield influence 
and lead others with her into uh, these so-called deep secrets, which were, that was a, that was a popular thing. I, I've, I've mentioned this at other times, but it was a popular um, phrase, sort of, sort of uh, claim it to the to in the first century to claim these abilities in a culture that was full of different gods at the time and so you know certain cults of various gods would claim that they had learned the secrets uh, right you you uh, Paul uses that language in the New Testament when he talks about what God has revealed to him so he's he's using culturally appropriate language but there was the so this is what this woman in Thyatira was doing was uh, I have deep secrets and I'm, I'm leading you into enlightenment and, and into knowledge and, but it was messed up. And this has been going on for a while. Even Jesus says that, that in fact, uh, he says, I, I've, you know, I, I've given her time to repent of her, her immorality. So Jesus has been speaking to her. Jesus has been warning and he says, there's an unwillingness to repent. Now, Again, the church is doing okay on the surface. Like we're doing good things. We're serving. We have love. We have faith. But Jesus says, what are you tolerating? Look at what you're tolerating. What are you allowing to persist in your midst? And and he's, there, there's strong words here. Jesus says, I, I'm not going to tolerate this any longer in my church. That Those participating in this sin and he says, even along with the children of this person, they're going to die. If they don't repent, there's serious consequences that are at hand. This is, you know, again, this is a, another one of those instances in the New Testament where the risen Lord Jesus is not simply just a meek and mild, loving Savior. He is that. But he is also one who says, I am zealous and I'm jealous for my church and for what happens in my church. And so he's, and he's introduced again, you know, the various, um, what John, how he saw Jesus, how he experienced him, the physical attributes that he was trying to explain in this letter and the various characteristics. Every one of these letters presents Jesus in a bit of a different way. One, one of the aspects of him. So here he's the one who's introduced with blazing, eyes and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Like, like there's a, it's, you know, there, there's an immovability uh, and, and a steadfastness to Jesus, but he's one with blazing eyes. And then, and he says there that, that through this, the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And again, this is very intentional in Jesus's part. The temple in Thyatira uh, was the main temple was of Apollo, the, the pagan sun god. And so Jesus says, I'm the one that has, I have blazing eyes. I see through everything. My light, again, when we talk about light, we talked about this in last Sunday, that I am the one who has blazing light. And and so this is, this is really, th- these are sobering words. Um, for us, there's there's lots of noise these days, lots of talk, lots of claims, lots of opinions. We can get lost in the the milieu, the flow of these things, and and I expect that this is only going to get louder in the days to come. And and so a question that is just of absolute paramount importance is, 
Who are we listening to? What are, what are we captured by? What are we enamored by? What holds captive our emotions? What are we listening to? And do we remember that regardless, you know, regardless of, of everything that we're doing, what we're listening to, the things that we, we like to hold to, the things that we feel really good about, uh, the things that, that we're, you know, maybe walking openly and defiantly against certain things. Do we remember that there is a God that sees and knows all things? And, you know, it's easy when we think about that to go and, and we go, oh yeah, and we think about that in, in respect to others and, and that he's exposing others and, and, we, and we, we have this desire that God would bring into the light those things that we think are wrong and where there's injustice. And yes, we should hope for that. But do we also remember that there is a God that sees and knows all things about us, about our thoughts, our ideas, our heart postures, our attitudes? They're all seen and they're all known. And we're accountable for how we respond and live, every single one of us. And there's, there's. I was thinking about this actually, not in relation to this podcast, um, but then it, it sort of, it, it sort of flushed itself out, I guess, as I was, as I was looking and reading and pondering these words here to Thyatira, and also having a discussion with someone else this morning that that really challenged me and. A personal word that the Lord has been speaking to me that I've been processing and, and I guess, attempting to um, to articulate. And that that is, be careful not to sow to a spirit of disobedience and lawlessness in these days. And that's been a warning that the Lord has given me over the last number of weeks. Paul, be careful. Be careful. Watch yourself. Do not sow to a spirit of disobedience and lawlessness in yourself, in your family. Be careful. One of, one of the spirits of this age, and, and it's just we are immersed in it, like it, it, it's like breathing, is individualism that seeks to serve and advance the interests of self above all else. And it masquerades as all sorts of self-empowerment, self-care, self-help, but it is there. There's an aspect to it, and 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 I would say the predominantly, the predominant aspect that is opposed to the spirit of Jesus, and his example of surrender, humility, and selflessness. And Jesus says himself, when he's speaking about the last days, he says, "In the last days, lawlessness will increase, and the love of many will grow cold." Talks about that in Matthew twenty four twelve. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6, Apostle Paul speaks of having all of our thoughts obedient to Christ since we are to live totally surrendered to Jesus. You know, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives in me. I, I have died to self. I mean, that, that's a an ongoing theme, an ongoing claim, and encouragement, exhortation of Paul in the New Testament and this obedience to Christ that we are not, this is not about ourselves, this is about obedience to Christ. And so thinking about this and then reading this these verse, this verse to Thyatira, there is one who knows and sees all things. 
one who has searched hearts and minds. And as his followers, are we following his way or our way? And verse verse 27 goes on and it, it quotes there Psalm uh, 2 verse 9 and talking about um, that that to those who overcome, there's going to be authority given over the nations, um, which is, you know, this, this authority over the nations, it's given to Christ in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm and it's given to the church here. It's authority to proclaim the rule, the kingdom of God. And he who rejects that rule, really ultimately what Jesus is getting at here is those who reject that rule, they're going to perish. But he who accepts will live and rule with me. And so the promise here is that those who hold to Jesus will rule with him. And spoken of throughout the New Testament, there's 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 countless many, many references to that throughout the New Testament that we can find. But to those who overcome, Jesus says, to those who do my, do my will to the end, there's incredible promises that are coming. And we, we need perspective that, that what is promised, what's coming to those who overcome. We need perspective in these days. We need wisdom. We need insight. We need heavenly insight and wisdom. And we all, you know, we always need perspective, yes, but there are circumstances and situations and times and seasons that really drive this home in our lives. And I think that many of us would say, yeah, we're, this is being driven home right now in our lives. Jesus goes on there and he, he says, I will also give him those, those who overcome, individuals who overcome, give him the morning star. This is, this is one of those just, incredible, heart-warming, encouraging promises. Jesus himself, in Revelation 22, 16 later, is, identifies himself as the bright morning star. A promise that, and, and so what, what this promise is, ultimately this promise here, it's not some shiny star. It is the promise that Jesus will give us himself. And, and, you know, what's interesting is Jesus is, and, and, and just, again, so encouraging is Jesus is, is, is writing this through, through John to the church in Thyatira. He says, you know, I, I, you need to get rid of this stuff in the church that you're tolerating, this stuff that you're tolerating around you that is not of me and is sinful and wicked. Um, and not to get too much, not to go any more into that, but Jesus says, you know, I, I don't, beyond that, I don't want to lay any other burdens on you. Hold to what you have. Hold to what you have. Stay close to me. And I, I was, you know, as I was pondering this and reading through these verses and, and just uh, wanting to hear the Lord on this, Jesus is jealous for his bride. He's jealous for the church. He's serious about her purity and her commitment to him. I, I believe that renewal is coming. I absolutely believe that renewal in the West, renewal in the church is coming. But it does not come without confession, repentance, prayer, and a desire for Jesus himself. This is about the bride longing for the bridegroom. And that's where prayer, the longing that comes out of prayer is part of that. And so, 
You know, it, it, it leaves us again with questions of what are we listening to? What are we tolerating? What are we consumed by? Is it increasing devotion and hunger for Jesus? Is our desperation driving us deeper into Jesus? Or is it giving birth to substitutes in our lives? And so this is also, this This connects, I, I'm connecting this to you know, our, our last message in John about Jesus declaring, I am the light of the world and how we are to walk as children of light and walk in the light and bring things into the light. And so uh, there's certainly correlation here to uh, what are we tolerating? What needs to get into the light? Where do we need to walk in confession and repentance? That was part of the application from our message this past Sunday. And, and in that, I, I am asking God to fill me with passion and desire for himself, that, that he would use this time and, and all the challenges and all the things that we are, we are processing and experiencing, that it would result in passion and desire for the things of God and an increase of that in us like never seen before. And so I pray that over you who are listening, those of you who are processing and, and experiencing things as well, that you will, you will be experiencing a deepening of your fellowship with Jesus as you stay close to him. Bless you as you are listening and as we come to the end of this, pray that this has encouraged you, challenged you, yes, but edified you as we seek to follow the way of Jesus in our lives. Until next time, be blessed, be encouraged, and stay close to Jesus.